good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here and hope you've had a good week. And uh, um, remember, uh, next Sunday is our Super Bowl fellowship. And I told Seth uh, and the guys last week, I'm still hanging out for, holding out for a uh, Facing the Giants locker room move. You know, if you've seen that movie, there's a scene and uh, the, in the playoffs team, you know, the, uh, the, their opponent cheated. And so the, uh, I can't even remember what the team was called, but they ended up getting to go to uh, the state finals because, uh, you know, the other team cheated. So uh, still holding out hope. And, uh, but I think it, yeah, that is a dream. That's what Bill, Bill said, that's a dream, and it, it is. But uh, though uh, probably most of us, uh, don't care anything about the teams that are playing. Uh, it'll be a good time, a good opportunity for us to have some fellowship together. Um, we'll have some games. If you have a special board game you'd, uh, you'd like to play, uh, bring it along, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have the game playing on the television. We'll have some food. and uh, So come and join us at 5.30 next week, and uh, we'll stay until we're done. And... Uh, the game, you know, it seems like Super Bowls, although the last couple of years they've been pretty close, I think, good game, you know, uh, but sometimes they're blowouts, so by halftime it's not, you know, it's the game's done, and, but anyhow, uh, so come and join us uh, Sunday night uh, next week for some fellowship, and uh, uh, I want to ask you to be praying for a family, you know, you probably, if you've watched the news Friday night, uh, tornado hit through um, central Alabama, um, and uh, yesterday I met with a, uh, a young man who lost his grandmother. Uh, they had just moved here three months ago from Buffalo, New York. And um, the grandmother's boyfriend and his son and then a family friend are in ICU uh, in Tuscaloosa. So um, re- remember that family uh, in your prayers. And uh, you know, it's hard when you've moved to a new place and haven't really got settled and then you have a death, but you also have lost your home. So, so please remember uh, that fellow in your prayers, please. And uh, some of our folks are still sick, so pray that the Lord would uh, just be with them. And uh, remember, if you are sick, please let us know so we can be praying for you. Stay home, though. Uh, we don't want your yuckies, uh, but we do want to pray for you. And if there's something we can do to, to help you during the time you're sick, we want to do that. So. Um, we don't have ESP. I know I don't. I don't think anybody in our church does. So unless you tell us, we won't know uh, that you're sick. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Revelation chapter 2 this morning. And it, we're uh, looking through a series that through Revelation they're calling Triumph. Um, and we're looking at... Um, the Lord's address to the seven churches, uh, and I showed you a map last week. Uh, I didn't put it up this week, um, but we saw that these seven churches kind of form somewhat of a circle. It's an oblong circle, but a circle nonetheless, uh, and I think it represents the, the Christian church as a whole, uh, and there's parts of, of it and lessons for every church and every Christian uh, as the Lord addresses these seven churches. And we're going to look at the second and the third uh, church this morning. 
And uh, so we're going to start in verse 8. And uh, if you know, uh, if you've watched the news or, or watched television, you probably know that the Olympics started this past week. And uh, last night I watched a little bit of the woman snowboarding. Um, it was quite interesting. Um, and the, uh, I can't remember what her name is, but some lady from Finland won the first gold medal in that country's history in the Olympic Games, the first gold medal. So I thought that was interesting. But as they were making these jumps, uh, you know, I think uh, skiing, I've been skiing once and only once um, and not had really the desire to go back and do it again because it wasn't all that great of an experience. Uh, I fell down a lot. And uh, so uh, I don't think I made it off the bunny trail. Uh, but... Uh, managed to fall even there so um, but snowboarding I would imagine would be perhaps a little bit more difficult and doing the flips and stuff that they were doing certainly I mean they were spinning and you know loopy looping around in the air um, you know I would have broke my neck I'm quite certain uh, but you know the athleticism that uh, those ladies have it's, it's got to be tough to do that uh, and then to land, when you're up in the air, to you know, be falling for how many ever feet and land on your feet. Uh, you know, they've got to have some muscle and some strength uh, and training to do that. But what, it, it was really neat uh, to watch. Um, and what was, you know, it was neat to see them do the, the little tricks. Uh, but at the end, uh, the top three, uh, it was a lady from... Finland that won, and uh, the USA that won the silver, and then the Australian lady who won uh, the bronze. Yeah, were what's that? Yeah, New Zealand. Yes, that's what it was. Finland, New Zealand, same difference. Same difference. Uh, they're only on opposite ends of the world, but whatever. Yes, yeah, so New Zealand. Now it's Seth said that that it. So I, I appreciate my. Uh, re research my fact checker to to keep me straight, uh, but no, he says it was New Zealand, and uh, so um, you know, that uh, you know we, but at the end, as they they all embraced and they celebrated, they you could tell uh, that they were for each other. Uh, though they were competing against one another, they were for one another. Uh, and they celebrated the victory. And then not just those three, but the others that had, you know, participated came in. They had this great big, you know, uh, kind of celebration thing. Um, you know, and as I reflect on that, I so, said, you know what, that has a lot to do, you know, a good uh, kind of lead into the sermon this morning. Uh, it's the Christian life uh, has difficulties. Uh, all of them that, you know, they, uh, they had three, they did it three times. They ran that little course three times and they, the best score is the one that they kept but all of them at least one time fell down so they, none of them had three perfect runs and you know that's a lot like the Christian life uh, that we all have times when we fall down we tumble um, and unfortunately some stay down and they just give up these ladies got right back up and they did it again uh, they didn't when they fell. None of them just sat there 
and stayed there. They got up and finished going down the hill. Uh, and the Christian life is a lot like that, that when we uh, wipe out, um, and there are times when we wipe out, uh, that the Lord is with us and is gracious to us and will help us get up and assures us uh, the victory. And so um, this morning we um, look at verse, beginning in verse 8 and seeing that it ain't easy. And so, verse 8 says, To the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, says the first and the last, who is dead and has come to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation in ten days and be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, These things says he who is a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual uh, immorality. Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And so a great reminder to and a challenge, because I think we see, uh, again, a little bit of all seven of these churches in our lives and in our church and in uh, the church universal. And so some important lessons for us to grab a hold of uh, and an encouragement to us. Uh, so these churches were not um, perfect churches. Uh, it's interesting, the church in Smyrna, Jesus didn't have anything bad to see. You know, in, uh, you know, it's just kind of a common commendation, saying you, you've been faithful even in the midst of persecution and hang in there. And, but the church at Smyrna, or, or Pergamos rather, uh, is a different story. He says, you know, I know the difficulties that you have and that you're enduring, uh, and yet, uh, you know, there's some things that you need to work on. And so, again, this message is repeated. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And... Again, remember that when Scripture says, talks about hearing, it's not just talking about hearing. Because for a, a Jewish person, 
you didn't really hear it until you made it part of who you were or you obeyed if it was a command or uh, you, know, you internalized it in other words. And so Jesus' admonition is, hey, listen, you take my word to heart and the things you need to work on, work on them. And, you know, when you, when you slip up, when you have a wife out, get up and keep going down the course. And so three important lessons, I think, that God has for us from uh, these two churches. And the first is this, a reminder that the church is called to endure. Both of these churches were in a culture that was very anti-God and Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like uh, the church and what it stood for and what it was doing. Um, because, and it, a big part of that wasn't necessarily what they taught or believed, but a big motivation for their hatred was that them doing right pointed out they're wrong. And they didn't like that. And it threatened their power, and they didn't like that. And a lot of times in our world day, when people are hostile to uh, the church, it's not because they're seeking to, you know, they re you know, have some reason to hate Christians. It boils down at the kind of base level that by us living a life that honors God, and by us proclaiming that Jesus Christ can save anyone, it necessarily means that they need saved. And we do believe that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Scripture says. And that every human being is born in this world and is affected by the disease called sin. And the only cure for it is a relationship with the Almighty. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for whosoever... Jesus admonished his followers. He said, you know what? If you're going to follow after me, don't be surprised when people treat you like they treated me. He said, they hated me. And so if you follow me and you look like me and you act like me and you talk like me, they're going to hate you too. And ultimately, their hatred for Jesus led them to... Led them to Crucify Jesus. The man who had done no wrong, even Pontius Pilate, you remember, said, I find no fault in this man. That Roman soldier that put Jesus on the cross as Jesus died looked at him and said, Surely this is the Son of God. And we know that, you know, after that Good Friday, Easter morning came. And Jesus rose again. Jesus found the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And he reminds us that, hey, listen, church. When you are faithful to me and you're walking with me, you will win. You'll have victory just like I had victory. But we are called because this world is hostile to the things of God. Sin, you know, has affected every aspect of creation, including mankind. 
And so this world is bent on and bent against God. It's bent on doing what God said don't do. That's what the world seeks after. And so John writes here and reminds us by Jesus' admonition that God knows where we're at. And he knows the difficulties that we're going to endure. He says to Smyrna, he said, you know what? I'm the first and the last. They crucified me. But I didn't stay dead. I'm alive. He said, there are some that claim to be Jews, in other words, to be my people, but they really belong to Satan. That don't have anything to do with them. Be faithful even unto death, because even in death you don't die. You endure. And when you leave this life, you go on to a much better place. And you leave this temporary world for eternity. And so we mustn't you know, forget that, yes, there'll be trials. There'll be hard times. There'll be difficulties in the Christian life. And Jesus reminds us, as he reminded these two churches, remain faithful. In other words, hang in there, endure. You know what difficulty will do? One of two things. It either pushes us toward God or it pushes us away from God. And we are the ones that determine what direction the difficulty sends us. We could talk about plenty of people that have uh, said, you know what, if God's so lo loving then this bad thing wouldn't have happened to me, so I'm not going to serve him anymore. And they go away from the Lord. But there's also people that have great difficulty, experience great heartache and persecution for the Lord's sake. And they continue on. It wasn't terribly long ago that it was the anniversary of um, three missionaries uh, being killed. Jim Elliott was the, the famous one, but it was, they were going to uh, a tribe, uh, of, and um, the people there killed them, killed all three of these missionaries. His wife, Elizabeth, continued to minister to those people. And eventually that tribe received the gospel and many were converted to faith in Christ. Because though they were persecuted, though she had suffered great loss and her team had suffered great loss, they remained faithful. They endured. They said, you know what? God has called us to reach this people group. And we're going to reach them. 
Um, and with the Lord's help, they did. And so he says, listen, you've got to hang in there. You've got to be willing to endure some difficulties. You know, a, like a lot of things in life, when things get hard, we as human being, human nature is just to give up. But guess what? We can be assured that if we give up when things get hard, we are never going to find victory. Victory is only found when we endure. But then Jesus also admonishes both of these churches to remember that the church is called to remain. And that's the second thing. Is that not only are we called to endure, but we're called to remain. We're called to remain faithful to the Lord, to sound doctrine, to the, the preaching of God's word, to the living of the Christian life. What he had against, though they were persecuted, they were living in a hostile world and environment. God said, I know that, I see that. And you have continued in the faith, but he said, you know what? There are some of you, that there are people among that say they are following me, but they're really following Satan. And then we get to this church at Pergamus, he said, listen, you know, there's people that are following Balaam. And the, these uh, Nicolaitans, and as I mentioned last time, we're not exactly sure much about these Nicolaitans. Uh, but what we do know is they were teaching false doctrine. They were promoting promiscuous living. Um, you know, they say, yeah, we'll... We'll, we'll teach the Bible and, and we'll, you know, believe in Jesus, but we also are not going to let Jesus make too many serious demands on our life. And we certainly are not going to be so countercultural that we, you know, reject what the world calls right. But God says wrong. You know, and we see that in our world today. There are a lot of things that are socially acceptable in our culture and cultures around this world that God says are abhorrent to him. And if something's abhorrent to God, it should be abhorrent to his people. And so we shouldn't compromise. We shouldn't you know, give in to you know, save face or to you know, make people feel comfortable. And sometimes in churches we get the idea that the idea is to to make people feel so comfortable with Jesus that they'll accept him because they think that there's no big demands made that Jesus is going to make on their life. But that's not the relationship God's people are called, called to have according to the Bible. You remember Jesus said, unless a man leave his father and mother, that will forsake his family, and follow me, he cannot be one of my disciples. He wasn't saying that family wasn't important. What he was saying as he taught that and as he was preaching a message was God has to be number one. He has to be the highest priority in your life. And if God is second or third or tenth, he's not in the right place. And your life is not going to be what he created for it to be unless God is in that first position. 
And so Jesus reminds the churches of Smyrna and Pergamos and today, including First Real Baptist Church of Pearl, that God expects us to remain faithful to him, to remain in him, to understand that, yes, the world may be against you and times change, but God's the same. And God's expectations and what God considers right and what God expects of his people doesn't change based on public opinion. And so he challenges us to live counterculturally and to remain faithful to sound doctrine. And our source for sound doctrine is not our Sunday school teachers and is not the preacher. Where's sound doctrine supposed to come from? From God's word. And so if anybody, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a pastor or, you know, man, if somebody says something to you and they're preaching something contrary to God's word, you kick them out. You don't listen to them. You don't heed what they're saying because... It goes contrary to God's word. And by the way, that's one reason why it's so important that we study God's word regularly. That we know it. That we study it not only corporately in Sunday school and, and through worship uh, gatherings, but you know through the week individually and with small groups that we're studying God's word and knowing it. So that when somebody comes and says something crazy... We able to know, you know what? That's not what God's word says. And so we're called to remain faithful to the Lord. He said, hang in there and, and win. And if you endure, what does he say at the end? He says, I will give those uh, that last, those that overcome, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And uh, a new name will be written on it that no one knows except him who receives it. So he reminds us that, hey, listen, you are called to remain till the end. Those that gather in China for the Olympics don't all win their event. And if they never show up, you know, you can go to China, you know, and even get to the Olympic Stadium. But if you never, you know, play your game or sport or whatever it is, you know, however you want to call it, you're definitely not going to win. And so Jesus reminds us how important it is to remain. And then the third thing that he reminds the church of is this, is that the church is not only called to endure, and not only is it called to remain, but here's the last thing, and, and the hope of all of the book of Revelation, is that the church is called to win. Yes, and, and we'll see these beginning chapters talk about the faithfulness of God and uh, you know, how God has called his people and developed his people 
uh, into his church. And then, you know, in the, the middle chapters, there's battles that go on. And there's judgments that go on. Uh, and, and it's a bleaker picture. But then at the end of the book, the last few chapters talk about the victory that we find not in our own strength, but the victory we find in Jesus. Because, you see, it's not easy to find victory. And the victory is not ours. The only way to find victory is to find it in Jesus. So he says, you know what, when you hang on, when you hear what I say, and remember when God says when you hear, he means when you have applied it to your life and done what it says, then you've heard it. He said, if you hear my word, I will give you hidden manna. I will give you the treasures of heaven. I think he's talking about not only does he, will he sustain us and give us that peace that surpasses all understanding that Peter talks about the peace that we can't understand and that we can't explain, but a peace of knowing that even in the midst of tragedy and even in the midst of failure, that God is still good and God is still gracious and God is victorious. The church in the close of the first century and even into the early uh, second century was a time when church experienced great persecution. It wasn't popular. It wasn't politically expedient to be a Christian. And they knew hard times. And they Jesus reminded them, hey, you're going to endure some persecution and you're going to endure some difficulties. Remain faithful. And when you remain faithful... You're going to win. You're going to find the victory. He said, I'll give you this white stone, and on that white stone will be a new name. A name that only those that get the stone will know. And perhaps that name on that stone is Victor. Not Victor like the man's name, but Victor as in winner. Perhaps it's the one that declares, you know what? Yes, you were dead. But I gave you new life. And though you'll die the, a physical death, you'll find eternal life in me. And you'll ha find that ultimate you know, expression of what our purpose is, is because we were not made for this world. We were made for eternity. We were made to worship the Almighty and to know Him. And we will know Him in His fullness, the Bible says, when we stand before Him. Whether it's whether we die in this world or you know, where Jesus comes back and gets us uh, from this world, that we stand before Him and the Bible says we'll spend eternity worshiping Him and knowing Him. That sickness will be no more. Pain will be no more. 
Temptations will be no more. Failures will be no more. Because sin will be done away with. And we'll finally be able to say, you know what? It wasn't easy getting here, Jesus. But in you, I'm a gold medal winner. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. And the Bible says we'll take those medals, we'll take those crowns and the jewels that are in it, and we'll lay them at the feet of Jesus. Because we understand the only reason we're there is because of what Jesus did for us. Not only on the cross. That was the only thing Jesus did for us, by the way, that would be sufficient. Because that would have paid our sin debt. But Jesus goes on and he says, you know what, I'm advocating for you. I'm, I'm on your side. I'm fighting for you. And when Jesus is fighting for us, Paul says it this way in Romans 8.1. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Though the things of this world seem mighty insurmountable sometimes, and the hurt and the turmoil and the, the craziness going on in our world, even in our own city and uh, our communities and uh, around the world, there's lots of, uh, of stuff that can discourage, and it will discourage you if you let it. But if we say, you know, if we remember, you know what, God, this world is a hot mess. But you're working all this hot mess together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And we have the end of the book and we know who wins. This world does not win. This world's ultimately destroyed. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And it's not Satan. He ultimately is cast into an eternal tormented, tormenting lake of fire. And no longer has dominion over this earth and over God's people and over God's creation. He can't affect it anymore. God wins. But he also expects us and allows us to have victory not only in eternity but victory now. But does victory come easy? No, it doesn't. And that's what he's saying to Smyrna and Pergamos and Pearl. Victory doesn't come easy. But victory is assured, so hang in there. Endure. Remain faithful to sound doctrine and to the practice of the faith. And remember that you're called to win, that your victory is assured. And so I hope God will challenge us and encourage us with these important things that you know, yes, the Christian life, it's not easy. And there's times in our life as we serve the Lord and we walk with Him that we want to throw in the towel. Say, Lord, it's just not worth it anymore. But that's Satan working and trying to defeat us. But Satan is the one that's defeated. Not us. Jesus says, if you 
have ears and hear my word, you'll be blessed. And so I hope we've heard God's word this morning. And we'll remain faithful to him. And that we'll endure. I'm not saying we go out and we look for hard, hard times. But when hard times do come, that we hang in there. And we trust God. So you know, God, I don't know what you're doing and uh, what's going on, what's happening or why it's happening, but I know that, you know, you're God and you're with me. And so I'm just going to remain in you and try to be faithful. And so, and I, it, friends, that's a lot easier said than done because it's not easy to do. It's easy to say, but it ain't easy to do. But with Jesus, we can do it. And with Jesus, we can know victory. Because he found it first. And he found it for us. So I hope we'll take some encouragement from that. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed for Sunday school.